0: declares the Lord. All right, friends, let's pray, and then we'll get started. God, we, we come to you right now asking you to soften our hearts and open our eyes to your word and what it means. Use it to transform us. Use it to make us more like your son, Jesus. Help me to communicate clearly. We love you, God. We praise you. Amen. So we are talking about the glory of God today. And of course, I was trying to define in my mind what glory was. And I was trying to figure out how people in general would define glorious, aside from the biblical sense, you know. So I did what any modern person would do, and I went to the internet for help. I went to Google Images, and I typed in the word glorious. And truthfully, I didn't expect this at all, but what came up was like a million pictures of this computer mouse. I'm not sure what that is all about, but this computer mouse like owns the market on the word glorious for some strange reason. Or, uh, or maybe Google is just like, hey, you need a mouse. Here's, here's a glorious one for you. So I decided to take a different route. Uh, that's not going to work. Um, I walked around and asked a few friends, what do you think of? When you think of something that is glorious. One friend friend said, standing on a mountain and looking out over nature as far as I can see. Yes, that is glorious. Another friend said, things that are huge, man-made objects that may take a massive amount of manpower to build. Yeah, that can be glorious too. Another friend said, he thinks of soccer. With many years of playing soccer in his box of life experience, he said that when he watches the best soccer players in the world play, it is glorious to watch their mastery and use of game strategy, ball skills, and working with the other players. And frankly, I am dumbing it down um, what he said quite a bit. He spoke far more eloquently of his deep appreciation of watching soccer in the hands of a master. I mean, the feet of a master. Another friend said racing. His mind goes to Formula One. When thinking about what, uh, what was glorious about it, and, and he said something very similar to my friend as he was talking, my other friend who was talking about soccer, um, but he gave a really good story to illustrate what he meant. He told a story about watching a race, and there was a racer who was behind another. And in this one particular turn of the track, he kept going wider and wider in the turn with each lap. To the person with an untrained eye, they might not even see this driver's deviation from the ideal line that all the other racers were sticking to. That would be me, the untrained eye. To the person with the slightly more trained eye, they might see the racer's change in course, recognize it as possibly less ideal, and so they they might question the racer's judgment or skill for doing that. But to the person with the adequately trained understanding, this was no mystery. My friend said that the commentator, the adequately trained person, that they could see what he was doing and informed the watching audience that the racer was sweeping the marbles. Each pass that the racer made around the turn, he was was driving further and further out in order to sweep the debris off the track just a little more. Therefore, when it was time to pull out hard and pass in that turn, he would keep all his traction and be able to overtake the driver ahead of him. Well, eventually the driver had swept the marbles far enough. He pulled out with loads of traction and passed the other driver to win the championship. Well, I don't know if he won, but my friend said that that moment was glorious to watch, which gets me to my point. It was glorious for my friend to watch the racer do that. And it is glorious for my other friend to watch the masters of soccer dribble the ball up the court and score tons of touchdowns. Why is that glorious? I don't find it glorious at all to watch that stuff. I watch it, and I don't know what's going on. I don't see the strategy. I don't see the game plan. I don't see the sweeping of the marbles. Why? Because I am the very untrained eye who doesn't get it and doesn't understand. What about you? Do you have something in your life that you could be the commentator for? What do you follow so well or do so often or know so well that you watch and you see the details and all the strategy and all the sweeping of the marbles kind of things and it's simply glorious for you to watch. Maybe for you it's fly fishing or maybe it's cars or football or maybe it's acting in a play or a movie. You watch this stuff, you understand the master level skills it requires to be amazing, and it's glorious to watch the pros. And on the flip side of the coin, what's something that is popular, you see people around you get hyped and excited about when they watch it, but you just don't get it? What's so glorious about that thing? To recognize the glory of something, you have to understand it. To be able to see how amazing something is, you have to study and watch and follow and participate. Take a small child to an art museum and watch them as they are totally oblivious to the genius level work around them. Take a small child to a big city and watch them ignore the huge, glorious buildings and architecture. They don't see the glory because they don't understand. Now to turn hard, and drive this straight toward our relationship with God. It's no wonder that the world doesn't see the glory of God. It's no wonder that you and I struggle to see the glorious work of God all around us. It's no wonder that we doubt his goodness. We doubt his good plans for us. We doubt his omniscience. We doubt his truth. We doubt that he is in control of our lives. Because without effort, without time spent with him, and without studying how God works... We just can't see the glory of God. We can see the glory of soccer or racing or fly fishing or art, but we don't see the glory of God. The Bible tells us God's glory is all around us. Isaiah 6, 3 says, And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. If his whole earth is, is filled with his glory, then where is it? What is it? How do I see it? Great questions, friends. Let's talk about that. So when I study the Bible, and I try to define the glory of God, I find three levels of definitions for it. On the first level, or the first sense, the Bible usually, uh, the Bible uses the glory of God to generally describe God's beauty, his grandeur, his honor, his excellent and perfect character. You see, God's glory isn't a defining attribute like truthfulness, for example. The truthfulness of God tells us that God is always true and how he is our standard of truth. We can't necessarily point to any one trait of God and say, see there, there's the glory of God, and it means he is this way or that way. Instead, God's glory is a summary attribute as opposed to a wintry attribute or a fall attribute. You know, a fall attribute of God might be like, God is pumpkin spice. (laughs) I'm just kidding. That's a bad joke. Let's take that one out. No, God's glory is a summarizing attribute. You can't pinpoint glory just like you can't pinpoint beauty. My wife's beauty, her beauty is not found in her many cute freckles or in her wavy auburn hair, or in her strong independent personality. Those things individually are not beauty. What is beauty is how these traits come together. Beauty is descriptive of the totality of her traits and how they interact. Beauty is a description of the complexity and goodness of the whole. Similarly, Glory is a description of the totality of God's attributes, how they interact, how they are endlessly complex. What makes God ultimately glorious is his goodness, his power, his creativity, his knowledge, his completeness, his independence from creation, his interdependence within himself, his love for us, his sacrifice for us, his ultimate sovereignty. An ultimate plan to make all things new, plus so much more. God's glory is hugely complex, and a written definition would never be enough. But we're going to try a little bit this morning. So let's take this understanding of glory, and let me restate what I said just a minute ago. When you study the Bible to try and define the glory of God, the first level or sense that we can take glory to mean is, to summarize God's beauty, his grandeur, his honor, and his excellent and perfect character. So let me illustrate. If we take Romans 3.23, which says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And if you plug in this understanding, it helps us understand the verse. For all have sinned and fall short of the beauty, grandeur, honor, and excellent character of God. Or for all have sinned and fall short of all that God is. We can do the same thing if we look at Isaiah 6, three again. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his beauty, grandeur, honor, and excellent character. So this is the first level or sense we are giving to the glory of God this morning. The glory of God is a summary attribute that points to God's beauty, grandeur, honor, and his excellent and perfect character but however secondly this is not the only description of the glory of god in the bible the second level or sense of the glory of god is a visual seemingly material experiential glory that is all over the bible and it takes different forms One of my favorite depictions of God's glory in this way is 1 Kings 8.11, and it shows God's glory as a form of cloud. Here the Israelites have just finished building the temple, the priests have consecrated it, and God's glory arrives. And it says, And when the priests came out of the holy place, a cloud filled the house of the Lord, so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the Lord. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. So that depiction of the glory of God was a cloud. Another visual and experiential way that God shows his glory across the Bible is in the form of fire. Deuteronomy 5.24 says, And you said, Behold, the Lord your God has shown us his glory and greatness, and we have heard his voice out of the midst of the fire. So cloud, fire, fire. We also see the glory of God shown in the form of amazing, brilliant, and beautiful light, sometimes coupled with rainbows, lightning, and thunder. Psalm 104, 1 through 2 says, O Lord my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty, covering yourself with light as with a garment. And Revelation 4, 3 through 5 says, And he who sat on the throne had the appearance of jasper and carnelian, and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumbling and peals of thunder. And of course, all of these images of God's glory are on purpose. They are by the design, they are are by design, and actually these physical manifestations of his glory point back to the first level of his glory, the first level of our definition of his glory as a summarizing attribute. Each of these physical manifestations of his glory communicates something or some things about God. He is communicating that he is the giver of life, that he is a refining fire, that he is the light that exposes and knows all of us, that he is Beautiful to look upon, that he is full of power, that he holds the right to judge creation, and so much more. And finally, God's glory takes a third and cumulative level or form in the Bible. God's glory takes the form of man. We see him take the form of man a few times in the Old Testament. We learn that man is the image and glory of God from as far back as Genesis but then in the New Testament, this form is fully fleshed out as a perfect and sinless man. Jesus Christ himself is the glory of God. Multiple places in the New Testament tell us that Jesus is the glory of God. And Hebrews 1.3 says it so clearly. So we're going to read that. Hebrews 1.3 says that Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God. And the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Thirdly, Jesus Christ is the full and cumulative expression of God's glory. Scripture talks about God's glory and it teaches us about God, but only to a certain extent. God's physical in-person manifestations of his glory in the form of cloud or fire or light teach us about God, but only to a certain extent. Jesus Christ, however, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. So let's scrunch it all together. What is the glory of God? It is the summation of the beauty of God the grandeur of God, the honor and excellent and perfect character of God able to be experienced of which Jesus Christ is the full expression. Jesus Christ is the glory of God. So why does this matter to you? Why does it matter that we have a way to understand God better through the person of Jesus Christ? Because your happiness and contentment and purpose and mission in life depend on it. If you are human, and I know all of you are, if you are human, you were made by God to reflect His glory. The Apostle Paul tells us that even now, in our Christian growth, we all are being changed into His likeness from one degree of glory to another. From the beginning of Genesis, we are told that we are made in his image. Our purpose of existence, our purpose of existence is to show God to creation. The closer you move toward God, the more you will see his glory. The closer you pay attention to who God is and what he is doing, the more you will see that he is glorious. The more you understand God through understanding Jesus Christ. The more you will look around and you will see the world filled with the glory of the Lord. And you will be moved to praise and adoration. Psalm 72, 19 says, Blessed be the glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. Just like the race car driver who is sweeping the marbles. You can either be the untrained eye who doesn't see what God is doing at all. You can be the slightly trained eye who questions God's work and judgment. Or you can be the adequately trained eye and see the magnificent and glorious details of God's work and say, wow, that's glorious. But to get there, you have to get close. You have to grow in your understanding. You have to participate. You have to study God through his word and through Jesus. Friends, we're going to wrap up with a couple short questions and we are going to pause for a minute and reflect on the answer. How well do you understand and see God's glory? And what do you need to do to move closer to it. God is glorious. The glory of God is Jesus Christ. Study God and be washed over by his glory that fills the earth. Pray with me. God, you are glorious. There are so many times that, that we study glory by looking at something else. We put that effort and that time and that that worship of of other things. I pray that you would show us right now, today, what those things are. What we are putting our effort towards. That we need to turn and give to you and focus on you and worship you. God, allow your glory to impact us and to change us and to make us more like Jesus Christ. Every single day. We love you. And we praise your name. Amen.